to get to know your pastor and um, pull it back. They're telling me to move back. Get back. Okay. Maybe that's better. I know I caused some feedback there. So, um, yeah, and it's been a delight to worship with you guys from time to time, and uh, this brings back a lot of memories. Um, Pastor Jeff and I have a lot in common, and one of them is uh, doing this kind of thing. I spent nine years doing two of these, meeting in where? A school gymnasium. So a lot of great memories come flooding back here. And uh, so, yeah, and Selah, where's Selah? Okay, well, you tell her that was amazing. That was, uh, that was really, really good. So, yeah, really honored to be here today. And uh, my, my wonderful wife came with me. Just want to introduce Jennifer over there. Would you just wave? Uh, there she is. <laughs> yeah. And we've, um, so in seven weeks, we're going to celebrate 42 years. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was, that's a long time right? 42 years is a really long time. When we hit our 40th, it was really special, of course. That's a big one. Every five years, every 10 years, those are the big ones. So we went out to a romantic restaurant, right? And it was, the lights were dim, candlelight on the table, enjoying a nice meal together. And um, I looked over against the wall and there was a table there and a really, really old couple was there. I mean, they were like ancient. But, but as I watched them, as they were interfacing and talking, it, they just still looked like they were so in love still. And I said to Jen, I said, Jen, look over there. See that table? I said, that's us in 25 years. She looked over and said, Link, that's a wall mirror. It's like, wow. the, the years are ticking by quickly. And uh, whether you realize it or not. <laughs> so, um, so I'm still hearing some feedback. Uh, is that okay? Are you guys, is that cool? Maybe I'm just hearing it from here. You guys okay? Everything's good? Okay. All right. Great. Great. Um, I brought some resources today I just wanted to let you know about. Um, I'm with a ministry called Step Up to Life. We have some resources over there for you. Um, 60 years ago, my father wrote a, a booklet, and uh, it actually pre it started as a sermon. And uh, the Lord just gave him these simple five steps so that people can identify where they are in their spiritual journey. And so we'd like to invite you to grab some of those. I know that you guys have used these before. Uh, Pastor Jeff, uh, Pastor Joe have, have used these. And so it's just simple five steps. You can find out where you are and you can help others find out where they are in their spiritual journey. So that's, we have uh, different versions of that back there. And also something that shocked my English teacher in high school, and that was I actually wrote a book. <laughs> which only proves that anybody can write a book. So it's called See You at the Finish, and I've, for years and years, I've competed in triathlons and marathons and ultramarathons and all the crazy stuff, and I discovered that Paul was correct in some of his epistles where he would draw parallels between endurance, races, and the Christian life. Uh, so I didn't invent this concept. The Apostle Paul did. I just tried to build on it. So I took eight spiritual principles that I've learned over the years uh, from my races and put them in a book called See You at the Finish, Eight Principles of Spiritual Endurance. Now, just for today, for the holiday weekend, this is on sale, 90% off. Now, I'm Scottish. That's big, okay? 90% off. Normally sells for $100. Today, it's just 10 So you can pick it up on that special price. I also wrote another book dealing with missions. I know you guys have a team going out. That's really awesome. It's called uh, Launching the Great Go Mission. And so I'm going to throw these in for free. So you get this and this and this for 10, all of it for 10. So that's available and uh, so, much for the, so much for the shameless uh, sales pitch. 
Uh, all right. So today, uh, we are, just for, for context and for reminder, uh, this is all in part two. This is the series, right? All in part one was our relationship with God, and all in part two is about our relationship with one another. And so this summer, going through these wonderful one another passages. Uh, so today, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 13, and we're going to look at the last few verses of that passage. I learned a long time ago that it's pretty important to get the right passage with the right message. Uh, years ago when I was a youth pastor, I, uh, at the beginning of the month, the secretary would bring in the stack of birthday cards for the kids that had birthdays that month. And I would just do them all at once. I would write a little note, a scripture, whatever, and then uh, we'd seal them up, and then on the right day, she'd mail them out. So I came to this one kid's card, and I thought of the verse, uh, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought, that's, that's a good verse. So I wrote down quickly Galatians 1.6. Well, the next day I was reading in Philippians, and I came across Philippians 1.6, and, and that was the reference for the message I had sent that I wanted to send. And then I realized I didn't send the kid the right Reference. So I thought I better look up the reference and find out what scripture I sent this kid to encourage him and build him up in his faith on his birthday. So I quickly looked up Galatians 1.6 and I read, I am astonished that, he, that, you are, that you are deserting him who called you and turning to a different gospel. <laughs> so I learned right on, early, early on. You got to get the right passage with the right verse. Sometimes I do dumb things. Anybody ever do dumb things here? Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to start chronicling them because I think it, it's getting, they're getting more and more every month as I get older. Crazy, crazy. Thing. I was once calling around to try to find a new gym. And of course, you know, one of the key things is the hours, you know, what, when are you open? So I was calling a few and, I, and, and then I called 24-Hour Fitness. And my first question was, so, uh, so what are your hours? He said, uh, well, sir, uh, that would be 24. I was like... What do you do at that point? You know, you realize how stupid you are, and it's like, yeah, um, okay, so like, but what about the weekends? Uh, sir, the weekend days have 24 hours in them as well, so. <laughs> and uh, holiday, holiday, 24, yeah, okay, goodbye. And <laughs> so, I don't know, if you've ever done dumb things, I do them all the time, but uh, today we're going to get the right passage for the right message. So, here we are, 13, chapter 13, 2 Corinthians uh, and the last few verses, starting with verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, and here's the phrase for today, live in peace. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That was one of my favorite college verses, all the guys dorm, you know, into Christian college, and so... We thought that's a great verse, especially when we were interfacing with the ladies on campus. But greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so here we are. Live in peace. Live in peace with who? With one another. Now, right off the bat, we just have to say, uh, who would that be? One another. Who's the one another? Well, the one another, guess what? Is every one another. In other words, every person that you interface with or that's in your life in one way or another, they are the one another's, okay? So basically, we're saying everyone. Paul is saying live in peace with everyone. <laughs> now, when I think about that, I just kind of chuckle because it's like, that's impossible. I'm just being honest, keeping it real today. 
That's, that's impossible. You mean the Bible has given us a command that's impossible? Yep, that's exactly what I mean. It's absolutely impossible. But you might say, you know, people are different. There are the naturally peaceful people. And there's the naturally aggressive people. There's the naturally quiet people. And the naturally loud, talkative people. There are natural peacemakers. And there are natural agitators. So wouldn't you think that the peaceful, calm, quiet people, that it'd be easier for them to live at peace with everyone else? Well, it might be, but it's still impossible. Yeah, but there was, there was John and there was Peter. You know, Peter, loud, boisterous. He was going to do something. He'll, he'll pull out his sword and lop off the ear. He'll jump in the boat, off the boat, and swim to shore. He was a man of action, right? How much peace do you think Peter had in his life compared to John, the contemplative, quiet disciple who laid his head on Jesus' shoulder, you know? So people are different, right? And so you might say, with well, the peaceful people, they could be at peace with everybody. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether you're peaceful or loud. Uh, it, none of that matters. In other words, um, just for a moment, for a moment, think of that one person. Think of that one person that bugs you the most. Immediately, I'm guessing for the majority here, someone came to mind. That person. And now, as you think about that person, you're not feeling peace in your heart. See what I mean? I just proved my point. All right. So, live in peace with everyone all the time. That's basically what Paul is saying here. And so, the question is, how's that working for you? Well, it's hard. It's hard to get along. It's hard to be at peace with everyone around you. Uh, I, I'm reminded of a story of a man who was shipwrecked for 20 years on an island out in the Pacific Ocean. Kind of like that movie, Castaway, right? And so, a ship was going by and he lit his signal fire. And, and the, the ship this time saw it after 20 years. And so they, they launched a smaller boat and it pulled up on the beach. And here was this guy, you know, long hair, beard, uh, leather skin, long fingernails. Here he was. He looked horrible, right? And they said, whoa, look at you. How long have you been here? He said, I've been here 20 years. And they said, well, we're rescuing you today. He goes, oh, man, thanks. I'm so excited for this. He said, let me just go up to my hut and get my stuff. And they said, okay. They said, well, but there's, there's three huts up there. He said, yeah, well, the one in the middle, that's my house. And he said, okay. What's the one on the right? He goes, uh, that's my church. And they said, okay, well, what's the one on the left? He said, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> it's hard to be at peace with everyone around you. Here are some possible reasons that other people can cause us to lose our speech. Number one, they're just obnoxious, rude, and crude. All right? Those kind of people, when you're around them, you can find your peace uh, getting, uh, flowing out of you very quickly, and anything but peace is what's there. Now, a quick story here. Um, so, 4th of July means what? Fireworks. Now, I don't mind going to a nice fireworks show. Um, I don't even mind within the city ordinance, uh, you know, the, the three-day thing that we're down to now, the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, from, uh, mid, from 11 a.m. until 11 p.m., something like that, it's legal to shoot off fireworks. How many of you know people do not obey that rule? 
Anybody experienced that? Our neighborhood was like World War III. I mean, there were grenades exploding, nuclear bombs going off. It was insane. So we got dogs that are completely freaked out. You can't sleep at night. I mean, you know how it is. It's just, now if you're one of those fireworks people, you know, God bless you. God bless you. God puts you on the earth for a reason. That's to show us how immature we are spiritually when you bug us. But uh, that's okay. So, so it's the fifth. It's like, oh, finally, this is over. Finally. What's today? The seventh. So this was like two days ago, right? Well, the people on the next street over, about 9.45, they start shooting off nuclear bombs. You know, just one after another after another. We're in bed. I'm reading. Jen's on her computer. And I, I turned to her and I said, I'm giving them till 10 o'clock. And then I'm going over there. Now, you see, already I'd lost my peace. Right? So, long story short, I drive over there, and here's a kid in the, in the middle of the street blowing. He had these box things that would, like, shoot stuff out of the boxes one after another. Bam, bam, bam. And uh, I just waited there, and, and then he brought another one out. Bam, bam, bam. So I pulled up, and um, <laughs> I reminded them of the city ordinance. Okay? And uh, their response wasn't exactly kind and gracious and understanding. The father came out, and he was a big dude, and I'm not, and he was a big dude, but I was in my car with a foot on the accelerator. Um, and he was there, and he had some thoughts uh, for me of what I could go home and do. And I was like, well, that's really great, right? And, and I, I can't say it because it's absolutely inappropriate. Right in front of his kids, right there, you need to just go... And I was like, seriously? We're your neighbors. We, I didn't point to our house. We just kind of live over there, you know? And came home, got in bed. He had taken my joy from me. He had taken my peace. I was not at peace. My heart rate was up a little bit. My wife shaking her head like, I told you you shouldn't have gone over there, right? And I, I debriefed with myself, and I realized there's probably a better approach, like don't go and immediately remind them of the city ordinance law that they're breaking. Maybe a better approach would be, hey, nice fireworks. Um, how long do you think you guys are going to be shooting those off tonight? Uh, just wondering, because we're trying to sleep, you know, and just take a little more tactful approach. Other people, people that are obnoxious, rude, and crude. Uh, number two, people that hurt us in some way. It happens all the time. Hurting people hurt people. Wounded people wound people. Those emotionally and spiritually immature hurt other people. Um, so this is another group that can cause us to lose our peace. Third group, uh, those who intentionally, regularly, knowingly do things to get under our skins. <laughs> they know the buttons to push in your life to really get to you. And those people can cause you to lose your peace quickly. And then the, the fourth group, the arrogant and condescending. The people that are like, the worst ones are the spiritually condescending people. And uh, they just come across with that, that era of spirituality that, that, that is just really sick. And it, it, uh, that one I don't like. I can smell spiritual arrogance like a mile away, and it's such a turnoff. Uh, I don't want it in my life. Lord, help me there. But uh, man, so, so these kind of people can cause us to lose our peace. What about possible reasons that we respond in a way that causes our peace to slip away, right? We can't just blame it on other people. We're responsible, right? We make decisions. We decide what our attitudes will be. We decide what our actions will be, whether we get in the car and drive over to the neighbor's at 10 at night or not. Those are decisions we make, okay? So, number one, we retaliate. It's very difficult to be at peace while you're taking revenge. 
I mean, if I had gone home and, uh, Jen, let's get out the M80s and start lobbing them over the wooden fence into our neighbor's yard, that probably wouldn't have been a good move, right? Probably would have escalated things a bit. Uh, so I would not have had peace had I retaliated. We lose our peace when we hold grudges. When we remember, oh, yes, I remember when so-and-so did such-and-such to me. Yeah, I, I remember that. And you, you kind of hold it and you savor it. You start to fume about it. We hold grudges. And thirdly, we refuse to forgive and move on. So think about this. God may place some of those very people in our lives on purpose to show us our own areas of immaturity and where we need to grow spiritually, where our character needs to develop further, and they are there by God's design to reveal our own hearts to us and our need for Him. So, if being at peace with everyone all the time is impossible, what do we do? How do we handle that? Well, let me, let me suggest four things today. First of all, you have to be at peace with God first. If you're not at peace with God, you're not going to be at peace with other people. And so, how do we get to be at peace with God? Well, the series is called All In, and that basically says it. When we take our whole life, all of us, everything we are and have and own, and we give it completely to the Lord Jesus, and we surrender, we, we repent, we do that spiritual 180-degree U-turn from living our life and living our sinful ways. We turn 180 degrees, and we bow, and we submit to Him as Savior, yes, also as Lord of our life. Say, Jesus is called Savior uh, less than 20 times in the New Testament. Now, if He were called Savior once, that would be enough, right, because it's the Word of God. But he's called Lord over 400 times. So that just shows where the biblical emphasis is. is it's on his, the lordship of, the Lord, uh, of Jesus Christ. So, so what do we do? We turn, we repent, we bow the knee, we submit, we surrender to him as Savior and Lord. And then at that point, Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, actually moves into us. We come into union. Here's me. Here's the Holy Spirit the very spirit of Jesus, we come into union with each other, Scripture tells us, and now suddenly there was a power source in my life that was not there before. So if I'm trying to be peaceful in the midst of this crazy world we live in, I'm not going to be. But if I have submitted to Christ and his life has moved inside of me through the Holy Spirit, at that point, guess what? I have the potential to live in peace because the one who is all peace lives within me. And if you wonder where you are in your spiritual journey, uh, and you wonder why don't I have peace with God, uh, you know, this, this is why. And the, the five steps of Step Up Life will help show you exactly where you are and where God wants you to go. So there's only one person called the Prince of Peace, and it's not me, and it's not you. And so only when the Prince of Peace moves in and we are at peace with God, can, are then, then we are on ground where we can begin to live at peace with one another. Uh, he's in us and we're in him, right? Scripture tells us that. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2.20. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so live in him. Colossians 2.6. So he's in us and we're in him, and there we find the source of power, the source of everything that we need, including peace, 
to live in peace with other people. It's impossible in and of ourselves. It's only possible as we abide in that wonderful life of Christ within us and we allow his life to flow out of us, then peace can be there. So he's the tree, we're the branches. We're to abide in him and that life-giving sap that flows up a tree trunk and goes out to the branches and produces fruit. It's a, it's a beautiful picture in John 15. Same thing with us. We're in Christ, we're grafted into him, his life can flow up and out of us and we can live at, in peace with other people. So that's really the good news. So number one, be at peace with God first. Number two, learn to forgive quickly. Life is way too short for someone to have such control over you that they steal your peace. Okay? If you've not forgiven a situation or a person and moved on, then you become their slave. You are enslaved to those uh, who have committed offense against you. Now, forgiving doesn't mean that you forget because you can't forget. Right? The Lord's given us this thing called a memory, and we don't forget things, but we can move on with a heart set free. Absolutely. Uh, forgiveness also doesn't mean that you trust them. <laughs> There's been people in my life that have been uh, proven to be untrustworthy. And so an offense and hurt comes because they're untrustworthy. I have a decision to make. They've, they've offended me. I have to forgive them. I want to forgive them, right? I forgive them and my heart is free. I'm not a slave to them anymore, right? But I still don't trust them. And I say that with a smile on my face. I, I'm free, they don't control me. I have no anger, bitterness, resentment, anything in my heart toward them whatsoever. But I still don't trust them, okay? And that's okay, that's okay. That's not sin, that's not wrong. Um, trust is something that's earned. And when it's gone, it's gone. And if it wants to be built back, you can try to go there. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, forgiving doesn't mean that you forget. Forgiving doesn't mean that you trust. And forgiving does not mean that what they did was okay. Some people think like, if I forgive them, that means what they, they're getting away with this. No, they're not at all. Not at all. It just keeps you free. It says, they have no power over me. I'm free from the control that they have tried to impose on me because I have forgiven them. Now, at that very point, there's a wonderful resource over on the table as well. Another ministry called Fresh Start is a ministry that's based on uh, heart purity. How do I get my heart free? How can I forgive people? What's the process in going through? What do I need to deal with in my own heart? And so that's all I'll say, but uh, these are available. These are free. I encourage you to pick those up. I know Joe has worked closely with Fresh Start, and he'd be glad to answer any questions about that. But it's a wonderful, wonderful resource. So uh, be at peace with God first. Number two, learn to forgive quickly. Number three, extend lavish grace. Have you received lavish grace from God? Think about your life before you met him. Think about the amount of sin that you and I committed. Think about what we deserve, absolutely rightfully deserve. And yet he has lavished upon us grace, forgiveness, mercy. It's incredible. So when I think about that and what I deserve, it sure makes it easier for me to extend grace to someone else. And then I find my heart at peace with them. So extend lavish grace. It's not hard to extend grace when you take time to consider what you deserve. Um, the one who forgives much is the one who uh, has been forgiven much. The one who can extend much grace to others is the one that understands how much grace he or she has received. And so we can extend lavish grace. The other thing I would say here is this. 
Um, we don't know what people are going through. Just this morning, as I was kind of going through this for the final time, I thought about my neighbor back there in the fireworks situation. And I thought, man, Link, you've received so much grace. You need to just, you need to just extend grace there. And, I'm, you know, we may not take him cookies tomorrow. I don't know. But <laughs> unless, well, anyway, I shouldn't even have said that. But, uh, but, but I don't know his life. Maybe that day his father passed away. Maybe that, that week he lost his job. Maybe that week he found out his wife had cancer. I don't know what's going on in this man's life. And sometimes if I, if I, if I knew the whole story, I'd find out it's a whole lot easier to extend grace because I realize what he's going through. So we extend lavish grace because we have received it. And, uh, and also because we, we don't walk in anybody else's shoes. Uh, we got to try to extend grace because we don't know what's going on in somebody else's life or how, how difficult it is right now. Uh, fourthly, realize how valuable your peace is. We live in an insane world. Every second of every day due to technology, social media, etc. We are bombarded every day, almost every minute, by something vying for our attention and a whole bunch of it does not breed peace in our heart when we think about it, when we watch it, when we see it. And so the, the, these things are screaming at us nonstop, and it results in anything but peace. And so, number four, realize how valuable your peace is. Create and guard intentional times that are peaceful for you. Times where you stop the running. You turn off all the stuff, you know. It's like, you know, those, uh, those, Christmas, those Christmas things that sit on table that are clear and there's a little um, Christmas picture inside and, and you shake it up and the snow goes everywhere, you know. And oh, look at that. It's so, so pretty, right? That's like my life half the time. Like, like I live in this blizzard. Like life is always doing this to me, right? And there's like stuff. Oh, and it takes a while when you just have to sit down and let all the blizzard, all the snowflakes settle down, and then there's calm and there's peace. And if we don't take intentional time to do that, uh, we just go flying through life, it's probably, uh, peace is probably not something that we're going to feel uh, that often. So create and guard intentional times that are peaceful. Guard those times, make provision for those times in your life. Uh, I, each, each year I try to uh, get away. I didn't do it this year alone, but most years I've gone alone up to the Boundary Waters, which is a wilderness area, area right uh, northern Minnesota, right on the Canadian border. And it's one million square acres of nothing but lakes and woods, and, and it is peaceful. It's one of the most peaceful, peaceful places I've ever been. So for many years I would go up there by myself, and I would camp for five days, unplug, and just be there in quietness and peacefulness. Yes, I'd fish a little in the morning, I'd fish in the evening, but the rest of the time. First year I went up there, it was so weird. I got up, like, all right, here I am. I'm going to meet with God out here. This is great. What do I got to do today? Well, let's see. Eat breakfast. So I ate my breakfast. Then I sat down on a log, and I'm like, the next thing on the agenda is go to bed. What am I going to do for 12 hours? It was freaky. I didn't know what to do. It's like, how can I sit here for 12 hours? Because we're, 
driven, 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 at least me, driven, 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 right? Life is so fast, everything's coming at us. It's hard to unplug. So maybe you can't get up to the boundary waters, but maybe it's something as, as, as peaceful as just when you're driving along, maybe just turning on some peaceful music in your car. Maybe it's listening to the daily audio Bible, which I do quite regularly. There's a psalm for each day, and I just put it on my phone, and I listen it to scripture while I'm driving along. Or, or one time when I was, went through a season when I was totally stressed out, really bad, you know what I did? I got a couple of CDs for my car. Spa music. Spa music. You know, talk about soothing, you know, the little woodwind pipes and whatever all those weird things they were playing. You know, I haven't heard half of these instruments. But you know what? It brought just kind of calm in the car. You say, why didn't you play calm worship music? Because there's words to worship music. And I didn't want to think about anything. I just wanted peace. So try some spa music. <laughs> anyway, so we got to guard those times. So how do we live being at peace with others? Number one, to review, make sure you're at peace with God through repentance and submission and uh, saving faith in him. Number two, forgive quickly and move on. Number three, extend lavish grace to other people. And number four, guard your peace. Let me just close with a, a story of a friend of mine. Um, this, uh, because he works in a very dangerous part of the world, we'll just, we'll, Dan's his name, we'll just leave it there, right? So Dan, he runs an NGO, a non-government organization in uh, Afghanistan. Now, uh, Afghanistan, I, I've been there many, many times because I don't need to go into why, but I have. It's one of the most volatile, dangerous, tension-ridden country that you could ever be in. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And uh, tensions are always running high. That nation has known nothing but war for 45 years. I often think of the men, women there that are 45 or younger, they've known nothing their entire life but war at some level, whether it's the Soviet invasion or whether it's ethnic division and hatred, and uh, it's, it's just horrible. Much of Dan's staff are, many of them are Afghans. And so with that, you get the ethnic tension and you get all these issues. There's anything but peace there. And so he works in that insane, environment filled with tension. One of his workers was once captured by the Taliban. The worker was out looking at one of their projects out in the country. The Taliban grabbed him, captured him, kidnapped him, and that took him away. Well, you can imagine the tension there. And uh, Dan had to get the U.S. government involved, and eventually even the Navy SEALs came to try to rescue Dan's um, staff person. And they did rescue him, but in the process, one of the SEALs was shot and killed. I mean, we're talking like about the most intense, non-peaceful setting ever that God would call somebody to work in. But if you know Dan, he is the most calm, peaceful person, I think almost that I've ever met. He is always at peace. Nothing flusters him, working in this insane place. And we've gotten to be friends over the years. And I, I said to him one time, I said, Dan, how in the, why are you always so peaceful? You're just like at peace with your, all your friends, all your family, all the workers, the expat workers that live here from around the world and work in your organization, all the, all the Afghan workers that you have. It's amazing. 
and, and, and you're in the midst of the, the Taliban, for Pete's sake. And he smiled, and very calmly and peacefully, he said to me, I decided a long time ago that I would never let anyone or anything steal my peace. And so that's how I live, by God's grace. I've never forgotten that, and I never will. Dan is a hero to me, and he certainly is an example to me and to all of us today of a man who has decided in the core, the very bottom of his heart and being, that he's not going to let anyone or anything steal his peace. So how is it with you today? What level of peace do you live at when it comes to being at peace with other people? Those who push your buttons, those who have hurt you, those in your family who may be strange, those in the family of God. These are the one another people that Paul is talking to us about today. So just a reminder that the Prince of Peace lives within. Let's abide in his wonderful life of peace and by doing so, realize that we can live at peace with others. Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful resource that you are to us. You are our very life. Uh, you are our power, you are our strength, and you are the Prince of Peace who dwells within. And so, Lord, I pray that as we leave today, that the, the first time something happens, the first time somebody does something, and we feel that peace start to slip away, we would say no. I remember that story about Dan in Afghanistan. And he decided that no one, no situation would ever steal his peace. Lord, that's what I want. And through your abiding life within me, that is possible. So, Lord, by your grace, may, may, may those choices be ours. May that thought process be ours. And again, we thank you for the grace that you give us to live a life of peace with everyone around us. In your name, amen.